You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies, and music reviews on thelesbianreview.com. Well, that brings us to arguably one of the sexiest villains in lesbian fiction with The Devil Inside by Ali Valley. You had to know this was coming. You had to know this book was coming. <laughs> there was no way that you're going to get around me not saying, oh my God, give me a book from Ali Valley. I'm a serious Ali Valley fan girl. So you had to know Kane Casey was coming. And now oh, Kane Casey, that is my second fictional wife. Because remember, I mentioned Camera Bus was my first. No, Kane Casey. God, I envy Emma. <laughs> Why can't she love me instead? Next time our author has to put me in their book, you know? Now, with King Casey, with the devil inside. Now, at first, when the book started out, I'm going to admit that I wasn't too pleased with Kane's behavior in the beginning because of the way she moved. Because I thought she was being too hard on Emma. Because being a crime boss, I mean, think about it. I was thinking the poor woman probably ran out of fright thinking, oh my God, you were doing all these gruesome things. Kane Casey, though, is like, she is the awesome crime boss. She has her whole alcohol deal going on under the scenes and nobody could catch her. Sometimes when they try to catch up with her, it's like she has them spinning around catching their tails. And that is something I will always love in this series. And I love the way she guides her son, you know? She guides the family in a way that it's just made me, I was like, oh, because she is family oriented. She will go out of her way. And this story actually shows that the way how the Irish clan, they come together no matter what. And it's not just her family she looks out for. She looks out for other families who are linked to them. And her, her loyalty doesn't just range to the Irish people. She deals with Spanish, Cuban, other people in the area who are well-known and well-loved, and she deals with people with principle. She doesn't involve herself in cocaine or any of those stuff. She keeps it legit. She just has her alcohol. She runs it tax-free, and she keeps most of her money in her pocket, and I could see myself working for her. I'll help us keep away from the IRS. Hey, I'll fix those books for you. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I just love that. I love the way that she just does things. She's a woman of principle. She wouldn't kill underage children. She wouldn't do certain things. She looks out for her little, her younger sister, you know, who is developmentally delayed. And I love the fact that, you know, she did all this. Even though she came from a place of loss, she lost her father, lost her mother, lost her brother William. She's still there doing, even though it was really awesome. It's a mix of gangster talk and it's a mix of the family moments so you got the best of both worlds and the romance was there as well so Ali Valley had me spinning looking to see what next is happening what's going to happen here never a dull moment with Kane Casey trust me you'll never be bored once you read any book with her in it that's for sure this is I told you this series is just epic Ali Valley it has me sold I don't care if she has 22 books in the series I'm going to read them all <laughs> I'm actually relatively sure that this one also has an audiobook. So for those of you who like audio, start with The Devil Inside and there's a whole series to go. What Valley manages to do with a character who's traditionally a bad guy. She makes her, though, a marvelously layered character with a really 
fascinating relationship with her wife and her son. And I thought it's a particularly cool series from that perspective. Like, nothing else in Lesfic that I've read does this. Exactly. Nothing has touched this. I have never been rooting for the bad side in my life. And hey, look at me rooting for a mobster. I'm like, go get it, girl. And I'm like, and hell, I haven't even finished my work that day I was reading. Go get it. And I was getting it, really getting the side eye from my boss. Oh, God. <laughs> I had to stay with that. I had to stay late that day at work and make up for lost time. But hey, it was worth it. It was worth it. Every one of those reads. Once that book is released, I'm calling in sick at work because hey, I have to get up to date with any book she releases. Mm, Ali Valley. Let's hope your boss does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, I have to make sure she's not here on the Lesbian Review. But then again, if she is on the Lesbian Review podcast, she'll understand because she's gonna read the book and then she'll see where I'm coming from, and she might be missing on work too. Yeah, there we go. You guys can 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 book club together for your fabulous bad girl reads. <laughs> well, look at that. Just look at that. <laughs> Which brings us to, to the last one of your rereads, which is Weeping Walls by Jerry Hill. It's interesting because most of your your books, the main characters, actually no, two of your books, the main characters are bad guys. And then the other ones, they're all good guys. It's very interesting. You have a, an interesting spread here. Well, remember I said I'm living by curious. So, you know, I was always attracted to the bad girl gone good with a good side or the good girl gone bad. You see, think about it like this. Cam, she is a good person, but she also, she's also lethal with a gun. So think about it like that. They all have a touch of good and bad in them. I just love a woman like that. You don't need a goody two-shoes all the time, but you need a woman who could just bring out that side when you need her to because you know she'll move heaven and earth for you, everything for you. Think about it like that. That's my fantasy. Damn. Tall. With swagger and that kind of good and bad girl heart. You should have been in a career in law enforcement, April. Oh, tell me you see women in uniform? Mm-mm-mm-mm. That is my weakness. That's my kryptonite. From the time, I don't care if it's a fire uniform, police, FBI, army, I get weak in the knees. Somebody's going to have to hold me up because I love to see women and have uniform. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the last one of your picks is Weeping Walls by Jerry Hill. This is an interesting one because this is actually the second book in the series. I know. When I first read Keepers in the Cave, I was like, damn, I didn't know that Jerry Hill could write like this. It's like, who? But, you know, that first book gave me nightmares, you know, because I was dreaming about those things in that cave. So I am not going to reread that one. But <laughs> Weeping Walls, Weeping Walls didn't terrify me to that extent right but i just love the chemistry between cj and Paige riley and is it weird that one of my ex's last name was johnston like cj johnston i was like oh i'm reading about you here in a book but cj and Paige, i just love i just love that chemistry between them they had this going on the humor was there the banter was there while they were trying to solve the mystery is like okay we have this house everybody knows about this old house this wicker house why isn't anybody talking about what goes on at the wicker house yet a dead boy you know a boy turns up his body is found there 
a dead bodies in front of this house and no one sees anything no one knows anything and all potential witnesses are suddenly literally struck blind no one knows no we don't see anything coming from there no <laughs> reminds you of anything familiar when anything happens in the world oh no we didn't see we don't know and yet it goes all the way back to a cold case from 14 years ago so okay you have a cold case and then it comes forward to the present there's a dead body supernatural elements at work this house is menacing and you sending these two FBI these two FBI agents who had to solve something that nobody wanted to believe in the first book in the series with Keepers of the Cave. Now you're sending them into this again. They're like, oh no. What are we going to do? We're ending up with a case now. What are we going to tell them? A house did it? What are we going to tell them? A spirit? <laughs> no, we're going to lose our badges. What? Last time they never wanted to believe what happened. What are we going to do this time? And they go to the trailer parks and they go to investigate people and... People are just like, okay, how much should I tell you? And then they're like, okay, maybe it's neighborhood children doing this. Maybe it's some predator out there. And what fascinated me about this book by Jerry Hill is that I, the people who I thought did the murder didn't do it. Because I kept pointing my finger at one character in particular thinking, yeah, it's gotta be you. It's gotta be you. And I was shocked as hell when I realized, okay, it's not you. I was wrong. I had to... I think some humble pie is like, nope, I pointed my fingers at the wrong person all this time. It's like, where am I going with this? Jerry Hill had me turned on my head. This whole series, as a matter of fact, had me turned on my head. And right now I'm pretty angry and upset that there isn't a book tree. Why isn't there a book tree? This series went so well with the first two books. Why hasn't she followed it up with a book three? I really want to see CJ and Paige again. I actually love these two FBI agents because many times when people write FBI agents, they, re they write them as really pushy, you know, egotistical people. But CJ and Paige didn't come off that way. They came off really helpful. They were working well with the county police. They actually had good rapport. And their team, their team reaction to their relationship, I mean, it was awesome. It was lovely. And it was accepting to me. You know, I want more of this. I don't know if Jerry Hill is going to listen. I want her to write a third book. I agree, 100%. I actually emailed Jerry Hill and said to her, are you planning a third book in this series? Because I just love the series so much. And she's not. And it's tragic. So, listeners, if you are big fans, or if you pick up this audiobook and you think this is the best thing ever, email Jerry Hill. Let's get a campaign going. Come on, people. Let's get a third book in this series. Woohoo! It will make my Christmas. So, Jerry Hill, you don't have to write it for this Christmas. Write it for next year Christmas. So, by that time, I'll feel like a kid at the candy store. I'll lock my door, ignore all relatives, and I'll just read your book. How about that? 2020 Christmas, we went a third uh, Riley and Johnson book. Yes. Give it to us. Please. Go, Jerry. Go, Jerry. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, April... You've got some, some themes going here. You've got very strong butch and femme combinations in your romances. You've got very strong elements of like twisty plots in a lot of these, like what's going to happen next. And you've got um, really strong, uh, either very good or very bad guys in, in the lead. Are those the kinds of things that make you come back to a book again and again? Well, what makes me come back to a book again and again, I just like the action-packed 
nature of the story because the faster the action, the more the drama, the heightened and the climax in the story, yeah, it's the better I can forget about anything. Having a bad day? Pick up your book with your favorite butch and femme couple. You want to escape your boring job and it's a dead thing in the middle of a meeting? Man, pull up that Kindle app on your phone and read about a woman going rogue or a woman evading the, the FBI like Kane Casey. I mean, that's, that's the best thing for me. I love butch and femme couples. I do. But I also love butch and butch couples, femme and femme couples. I do. But my favorite books just happen to have my butch and femme couples. So don't worry. I read a lot of books with all different couples, but somehow my favorite books just happen to have these pairings, these romantic pairings, and they happen to be fast-paced, never a dull moment, and I like excitement. You wouldn't know this from seeing me at work with my glasses and I'm shuffling around here, doing this, adding that. I might look like yeah, yeah, typical accountant. Yeah, she's not moving from that desk anytime soon. She gives you that blank face at the door when you come with your tax return. Yes, that is me. But underneath all that and my spectacles or my contact lens, based on when I could find my glasses though, because there are times my daughter has hid my glasses from me, like today, so I have one contact, so whichever one works, I'll put them on. <laughs> and you'll always find me there with a book, hiding behind my monitor, sneaking a little read every now and again. <laughs> Do you really read during meetings? How you mean? Sometimes my coworkers are there arguing and a point is dragging on for an hour. An next person on the side of me sleeping or snoozing into their coffee, they're, they're actually nodding. I'm like, okay, prop yourself up. You're nodding. You're going to roll over and hit the desk. <laughs> kind of nod. And I'm there with my phone and I pull up my Kindle app on my iPhone and I'm there reading while they're arguing. When I hear the meeting is being summed up, close up and I'm looking like, yep, all in favor. My hand is up. Yep, I'm in favor of closing this meeting. <laughs> Let's get on with our lives. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes the meeting goes awry and one person is dragging on a point and you're there like, my God, I'm wasting another hour of my life. Where is Kane Casey or Cam to save me? And I pull up and I get into where I last was and hey, or sometimes I jump on board and see what Luca is doing and see if she's there meeting Haley as yet. It all goes to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And April, this is why you're such an awesome member of the team is because you love the books so very much and you write absolutely gorgeous reviews. And if you, if you love this, go check out April's other reviews. There's a link in the show notes to her favorite books on TLR. April, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your, your favorite rereads. I'm sure it's going to give people something to pick up uh, after listening to this podcast. Oh yeah, I hope so. I hope to pass on my love of reading to a lot of people because right now my bedroom is overrun with paperbacks and my Kindles are taking up a lot of book space. So, you know, I was born with a reading list that I don't think I'll finish. Mm. Oh well, I'll ask and petition God to carry some of my books with me. (laughs) Or the literary goddesses that be. (laughs) And bye everybody. Hope you check out all our other podcasts and other books and look out for more podcasts from other fellow reviewers. They'll be awesome, I promise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the special TLR podcast series where we have been chatting about our favorite rereads. To support the work TLR and Tilt do, please make sure to use our buy links for Amazon or become a patron. 
Using our buy links gives us a small commission on purchases you make on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking the link. Becoming a patron means you get exclusive content. Go to patreon.com slash the lesbian review for more. Welcome, you are listening to a special episode of TLR's podcast. In this series, we are talking to the reviewers who brought you TLR's 55 most reread books. Each episode breaks down the list into specific favorites for that reviewer. You can find more reviews and best of lists on thelesbianreview.com. I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by the fabulous April, reviewer at TLR. April, thank you for joining me. Hi, it's great to be here because, hey, I mean, who don't want to be on, you know, the Lesbian Reviews podcast where we talk about great books. We are book lovers, go-to place, you know. Think of me like, hmm, your literary stash section. It's like, hey, I am the one who is guiding you to the good stuff. Not just good food, but good books. Hmm? Totally true. Today we are talking about April's selection for our latest list that we just dropped on TLR, which was the 55 most reread books. So what we did is we put together a list. I, I said to the reviewers, tell me what books you come back to again and again, and let's put together a list. And we came up with a whopping 55. We're not going to talk about all of them today, but we are going to talk about the ones that April rereads. All right, April. So let's talk about why we would ever reread books, considering how many book reviews we do in a year. Well, let's see. The reason why I reread books, right, is because somehow I could identify the characters, somehow the plot, something jumps out at me and I end up in love with all these books. And they're my go-to. They're like comfort reads. They're like reads that'll take me out of job hassles, everything. Hey, I was considering becoming an FBI agent or secret service at one point in time. I wanted to leave behind my desk job because it's like a boring, mundane, same thing. And then when I look at what some of these characters went through, I say, nah, I'm going to sit my butt down by my desk and crunch numbers. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm not dodging any bullets today. No, no, no. Not for me. But it's fun to live vicariously through your characters, you know? It's like, I'm so glad I don't have this drama, but damn, is this exciting. <laughs> absolutely true. I think you absolutely nailed it. Living vicariously. And I see that actually a lot of things you go back to again and again have some sort of cop or FBI agent or some exciting thing happening in them. So you definitely like to live vicariously. Of course, why not? It doesn't get any better than that. I'm not moving from my desk all day. The least I could do is get in on all the action with the hot women. Oh God, I'd love to meet them in real life. But even though I can't meet them in real life, I fell in love with them in a book. Okay, so let's go through your selection. Above All Honor by Radcliffe is your first pick on this list. So let's talk about that. <sighs> let's just see. Camera butts. Oh, she's hot. Now, the first time I picked up this book, I didn't have any high, high set of expectations because when I read the blurb, it was about this secret service agent, Cam Roberts, being, you know, called upon to protect Blair Powell, the daughter, also known as Egret, the president's daughter. And she was a reluctant protector, protectee, you know? She didn't want to be protected. She didn't want this detail tagging onto her, seeing every minute detail of her life. 
she hated every moment of it and hey at a point in time she hated come but you know things have a way of working out and she eventually caught feelings for Cam. But the thing is, Cam was like, this poor little girl is giving me a run for every cent I'm earning because she is dodging us our security detail every step of the way and making me look bad. So hey, I have to tail this girl all over the city and not lose her. But then Blair, you know, Blair changed her mind when she saw what actually went into protecting her, the sacrifices her team had to make, you know? And when she realized how much they were doing and willing to give up for her, her mind changed and her heart softened towards Cam. You know, this story unfolded so beautifully and I love how Radcliffe put the whole thing together. She made it seem realistic. It wasn't like flashbang love at first sight, woman sees other woman and obviously they have chemistry. It took a while for that chemistry to build up. And I loved the build-up, the introduction to the characters. They were well-rounded. I could relate to them because, I mean, who would want Secret Service standing up outside their bedroom door? I mean, these agents are listening in on everything. What kind of romance life could you possibly have with these people tagging around, right? And it was a big taboo, you know, Secret Service agents aren't supposed to cross that romantic line, you know, with their subjects. But Radcliffe did it in a way that it made me just go, aww... And then I was hungry for the next book in the series, but nothing could top the first book. Nothing. I, I remember enjoying this one tremendously as well when I got it. And it is available in audiobook for those who particularly like the audio series. Okay, so what's the next one for you? It should be a crime by Carson Tate. And yes, this book was serious, I'm not going to lie, but it had a funny highlight here. And I'm not saying it funny in a sense, like comically funny, but I mean, think about it. Morgan and Parker, they met in the most unusual circumstances, you know? Morgan actually goes to the bar to surprise her long-standing partner, you know? I'm living with you, hey, 10 years have passed, it's time to tidy that kind of partner. So I go to the bar seeking you out, I'm going to turn up, surprise you. Hey, I finished work early, I'm here to, you know, socialize and enjoy the good life with you. Only to bounce up a partner making out doing whatever else with some unknown woman to you probably not to her because this probably has been going on a while but you know to walk into a situation like that is not easy and i was like oh my god it's like do face palm oh my god and instead of running out the way she came she ran out the back door and got herself caught in this alleyway and she didn't know how to get back out talk about embarrassing because on top of the fact that you're catching this lady who's going to be a soon-to-be ex, now you're in a predicament now that you got into a back alley, the door closes behind you and you can't get back out. Would you either scale the fence? What are you going to do to get out of this predicament? And here comes along Parker, you know? Parker came, again, to save the day, but she's the bartender, a good-looking bartender at that, right? Who is actually a student, because she's going to go back to school to pursue her law degree, whatever. And Parker comes in on the scene now, opens the door, helps her. But in this case, Carson Tate made the attraction. She did it in such a way that she made the attraction almost immediate, but in a way that it soothes her ache. Because Morgan is hurting, she's willing to grasp at any straw at this point in time. Parker happens to be there, and no matter how good looking, vibrant, whatever Parker is, she seems like a lifeline to Morgan. So Morgan reaches out to Parker and Parker accepts that reaching out and she pulls her in because Parker is no stranger 
to helping women in need, you know? So I was like, ah, boy, it starts off with a bang on the best one-night stand of the century. And reality dawns bright and early now when Parker goes back to school and realizes, oh, crap, this awesome woman who shared my bed is actually my professor. <laughs> so it's like, my God, what a moment now when you walk in and realize those long legs somewhere wrapped around my waist and here it is i am facing her in the classroom talk about awkward so to be in that kind of situation i don't envy parker that situation but hey i can live through her right yeah and then they get the best case of the century where parker and morgan have to work together you know they have to help the underdog they have to do the right thing but should we shelve that chemistry between us? Should we put aside what we feel for each other while the case is going on? Or if we explore feelings, is that going to throw everything out of whack? Is love worth it? Or is, you know, the goal at the end of the day to help the client? What matters most between both of us? And this is what I love about Carson Tate's work. It balances justice with love. It always balances that, okay, could we do it? Should we do it? Is it worth it? You know? that kind of thing because yes the romance is there it surrounds the story but it doesn't overwhelm the story you get a really neat fast-paced crime plot in between going on while you're trying to solve a murder while you're trying to represent a client that's my take on her book that sounds awesome this book is also available on audio for those of you who are interested in buffing up your audible library and now moving on to the third book which is lethal affairs by kim baldwin and xenia alexio i apologize if i'm not pronouncing your name correctly xenia i've only seen it written yeah. don't worry xenia we love you too but it's just that i'm going to trip over your last name so i can't even jump in there i'll have to say kim and xenia by themselves without their last name <laughs> Because I really don't want to make a mistake with your name. But I love the book, by the way. Awesome book. Awesome series. And if I had to talk about the entire series, we'd be here all day and into the night. So that's not going to happen. But Lethal Affairs, that's another, oh my God, that's another awesome book. And I have to tip my hat to these two awesome women because they both wrote the book. They both wrote it and it, it came off awesome. How many people do you know could pull off a collaboration like that? without it tipping the scales one way or the other. You're getting the chemistry between Luca and Haley, but you're not being overwhelmed by it because I am hooked on my seat with all the drama that's going on. I'm like, yes, oh my God, I can't believe this happening. Meanwhile, I might be getting the hairy eyeball or the mean eye from my boss ladies like, is she finished with those closing ear figures yet? She there with the candle, <laughs> you know? So this book had that effect on me and I'll tell you why. Because Domino, also known as Luca in the story, because she goes by Domino under the Elite Operative Organization. They give them their names, right? So Domino is Luca's name for her job, but Luca is her real thing. What I like about this series is that the assassins, as we call them, always have a normal day job. The assassins could either be musicians, sculptors, or they know eight or ten languages like Luca. They know these languages. They go through defense training. They are all rounded. So there's not they're not just muscle. They're not just brainless assassins taking orders and just firing off. These women are knowledgeable. 
well-trained and everything, but they just work for the like operative organization. They work in the shadows. No one's supposed to know about them. Nobody's supposed to know that this group exists to terminate prominent figures who become a threat to the country, to the world, whatever. They are sent like the real garbage collectors. They clean up the gritty mess that society leaves behind. So this is what the like operative organization does. Now, I'm not going to condone with and say, hey, yes, kill everyone, but they are really sweeping out people who are doing bad things to others. So Haley Ward, she's a journalist. She comes in here now like, okay, this is this a story that, you know, I picked up a story that this person has been killing people. She's been caught on camera, caught red-handed, by the way. Who is she? Where did she come from? And I think I could make my career with this. If I only investigate this further, get the answers, I'm going to make it big. But make it big at what cost? Am I going to die for this knowledge? Am I going to have to run for the rest of my life kind of thing? And Kim Baldwin and I was just amazed at Kim and Xenia. They brought this thing together so well. It's like, okay, Luca, with all her cold-hearted precision when she does her job, she would find it strange to just jump on the chance to kill the journalist because it's like, okay, how much do you really know? Is it worth me killing you before I find out what you know? Who else knows what you know? You know, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, this story, you know, this story reminds me of, it reminds me of Lee Winter's book. You know, the one um, Requiem for Immortals. It reminds me of this book because she is watching the target and weighing up Okay, are you that innocent or should I really kill you? And that's the same thing Luca is doing. Luca is wondering, okay, should I kill her? But she's that gorgeous. Yes, I like her a little bit. But am I being disloyal to the organization by not killing her outright one time? Or am I disloyal to my heart? Could, could I actually have love? Could I have what I want? You know, could I even think about that? Doing the job that I do for this organization? And... This also brings home to the point another book that I had loved. That one, The Devil's in the Details, by Sidney Gibson. Uh -huh. So you see, this book is bringing together different books that I have loved. So Little Affairs is like a combination of other books that I love, and I love the way Kim Baldwin just moves the story ahead. The pacing of the story, everything begins, basically, with Luca killing that dude, you know, and it's like, Oh my God, because she was sent to actually do a babysitting job. A younger Elite operative, you know, messed up a job. It became botched and she had to clean up the mess. And here now she gets herself in a sticky situation where, okay, I'm caught on camera. I've never been caught on camera before. What is my boss going to think? What am I going to do to rectify this situation? And okay, who put the disc into Haley's hands? Who gave her that information in the first place? I need to know who gave her that information and what has she done with it? It's a great read. I love uh, exactly what you're talking about, how the assassin character is actually forced in the end to make a decision between the woman who she's starting to fall in love with and the company she works for and is very loyal to, who she feels has kind of saved her. So there's this beautiful character arc, along with a romance and a lot of fun action definitely worth it also available on audiobook for those who are interested oh my god you see sheena this is why i have to just read books and stay with them because if i could have done this in real life and meet these women i'd have had several weddings by now how many lesbian weddings are we <laughs> gonna have how many right that i'm gonna be accused of being a real u-haul bride no <laughs> <laughs> 
April. Thank you for spending your time with TLR. We rely on the support of listeners, patrons, and advertisers, so please click on our links to buy. Check out the show notes to find our Patreon link and support our advertisers.